WDBM East Lansing. Welcome to The Sci-Files, an Impact 89 FM series focusing on student research here at Michigan State University. We're your co-hosts Chelsea Boudou and Daniel Puentes. Hey Danny, have you ever heard of cryptocurrency? Yeah, it's become really popular the last couple of years. Yeah, you may have heard of Bitcoin. That's something that's been a pretty popular company for cryptocurrency. Today we're talking to Nick Ivanov about cryptocurrency. Nick, can you please introduce yourself? So my name is Nick Ivanov and I am a PhD student at Computer Science and Engineering Department. I started my PhD program at University of Nebraska-Lincoln and then my advisor, Dr. Chibian Yan, moved to MSU and I followed him. So and now we uh, work together at SAIT Lab, which is Secure and Intelligent Things Lab, which is mostly dedicated to uh, security of Internet of Things. And I personally uh, approach this research by achieving our goals through the technology called blockchain. When I hear the Internet of Things, I can't help but think about uh, memes or something like that. Could you explain a little bit more about what the Internet of Things is and why it's important for blockchains? And what is even a blockchain anyways? This is. Uh, these are very interesting questions. Recently, I, I attended a presentation by leading researcher, NSF researcher in the area of Internet of Things, and he actually said that at this point, we have approximately 11 official definitions of what Internet of Things is, because it's an emerging technology, so nobody really... Uh, can say exactly what this is. But just intuitively, it's a number of computer and computer-like devices like cell phones, laptops, and something more extravagant like video cameras, for example, or it could be even your microwave or washing machine. And they are all connected to the internet to form this unified, big, global, a coherent infrastructure. So this is uh, very generally what Internet of Things is. And answering your second question about blockchain. Blockchain, the technology that is used mostly for cryptocurrency, is actually helpful to organize this plethora of devices and to do it in a very secure, efficient and convenient way. Blockchain seems like it can be a very vague term. Can you explain what you do specifically in your research with blockchain? When it comes to blockchain, it's very easy to get lost in definitions and different perspectives. But we as, as researchers try to see a blockchain as a big global machine, a big computer on which we can execute special programs. The blockchain technology is used and known to be used a lot for cryptocurrencies, but we try to go beyond cryptocurrencies and use it for running smart contracts. What's interesting about smart contracts is that they deliver guaranteed execution and they allow to enforce protocols between parties. 
these smart contracts sound like as if they write themselves before they're actually signed and executed. Could you elaborate a little bit more on what a smart contract is? A smart contract is a special program. What makes it so special is that it guarantees execution and it guarantees an ambiguous and definite execution. Normal programs that our devices like laptops or smartphones execute, these programs, they can be started or can be not started. They can be modified or not. In when it comes to smart contracts, everything is very strict. If something is meant to happen, it will happen. And something that has happened can't be changed. I know it might sound a little bit confusing, but this is actually what the blockchain technology allows to achieve. This allows to establish protocols between parties that don't trust one another because the smart contract, this program, first time in history, we have a computer program that can really be fair and serve as a mediator between two parties. You mentioned that these smart contracts can be unbiased in a way and that the parties that may not trust each other can use this and feel more at ease about it. How does blockchain do this particularly? What is the standard for being unbiased? Because it kind of sounds to me like a program or something or something that's learning about the different ways that you could be biased, but how does it really know that it's being unbiased? This is a very interesting question because blockchain is made of many computers all around the world. And these computers, they, whenever they receive a transaction, incoming transaction, they vote for this transaction. And the blockchain is um, organized in such a way that it's impossible for one person to vote two or three times. This brings up this fairness. It means that one computer can vote only once. It's a little bit oversimplified statement, but it generally explains how the blockchain achieves fairness. This kind of work sounds extremely complicated, especially when it comes to dealing with things like people's money, such as this cryptocurrency. Is your laboratory involved with the manufacturing of these different smart contracts or the computers that make the contracts themselves? Yes. In our lab, we create a lot of smart contracts. Uh, we deploy them on the blockchain and see how they work. Moreover, we try, we conduct a parallel research concerning the security of smart contracts. We try to find uh, vulnerabilities that the smart contracts might have and find the ways how to avoid those vulnerabilities or detect them early on. Technically, computers can write smart contracts by themselves, but we are not yet there because at this stage, we are just talking about people writing smart contracts. But probably a few years from now, the researchers will start looking into the area of computer synthesis of smart contracts, which is the next big step in research in this area. 
You had mentioned that some of these smart contracts can be vulnerable. Can you please elaborate more about the security that currently exists for smart contracts? There are about uh, 20-25 known vulnerabilities of uh, smart contracts. Because this is an emerging technology, professionals can't envision all the potential pitfalls that they are facing. So smart contracts have as I said before, uh, a set of unique features. These features are very exciting, but at the same time, they bring the potential for adversarial exploitation. One interesting feature of the smart contract is that if something is done, it, it cannot be undone. It means that if uh, if something is done with, with an error, then it can't be reversed. It will be a complete transaction. For example, if you are sending money through the smart contract to somebody, you are using an address. Address is like a unique identifier of the wallet, of the person who you send money to. But if you make a mistake, uh, just a little typo in this address, the money will be sent somewhere else. And there is no force in the world to roll this transaction back. Like in the bank, for example, if a transaction uh, is suspicious or something wrong with transaction, you can cooperate with customer support and try to negotiate this transaction and uh, cancel, cancel a wrong transaction. In blockchain, it's impossible. Everything is final. Now, to tie this conversation back to the cryptocurrency concept, what is exactly the relationship between cryptocurrencies and these blockchains? Blockchain is the technology that supports cryptocurrencies. So, for example, let's think about a bank. In the bank, when you deposit money or withdraw money, these transactions are stored in the internal bank database. So blockchains for cryptocurrencies, they have the same function as bank transaction system in the bank. But blockchain, unlike banks, uh, is a decentralized system. It means that there is no one owner of blockchain. So the blockchain is owned by all participants. And most importantly, anyone could become a participant of the system. And the system is organized in such a way that you can't be malicious participant. It means that if you participate, you have to play by the rules. So, and this allows first time in the world to really have a decentralized financial system that is not owned by one company, one state, one government, but it's owned by all people that participate. But at the same time, the system protects participants from full play. To answer your question about cryptocurrencies, currently there are more than 1,000 cryptocurrencies. The major cryptocurrencies are Bitcoin and Ethereum. All other cryptocurrencies, they are usually called altcoins, which stands for alternative coins. It's very important to note that 
one blockchain can support more than one cryptocurrency. The Ethereum blockchain, it supports the major cryptocurrency Ether, and it also supports so-called tokens that can be used as cryptocurrencies. I find it intriguing that you said that the rules make it in such a way that there can be no maliciousness. You had mentioned also that these blockchains are not owned by a specific company or like a bank or something. But that got me wondering, do banks have cryptocurrency or blockchain? Banks are actually looking to using the blockchain technology to replace their legacy transaction systems. One more thing that I have not yet noticed is that there are public blockchains such as uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum and others. And also the blockchain technology can be used inside of an organization or a government. For example, the government of Estonia already uses blockchain for storing public records and transacting with them. With that being said, banks can use blockchain internally to replace their legacy transaction systems. They are actively looking into this technology. For example, Golden Sachs already replaced part of their infrastructure with blockchain. So this technology is rapidly emerging. The companies are actively trying to apply it to their internal procedure because blockchain allows to achieve the same goals that normal databases deliver, but in more efficient and secure way. Thanks for clarifying those concepts for us, Nick. Something I've heard a lot in the past is this term called mining Bitcoin, which now I'm assuming would then inherently mean mining blockchain. What does that phrase even mean? What you're asking is a so-called proof-of-work consensus, which allows to create a a correspondence between voting power in the blockchain and the amount of computational power that you are possessing. Because every person or every organization has a limited amount of computational power. This limitation allows to avoid situation in which a person or organization creates too many fake voters to vote for something that is not really happening on blockchain. For example, transfer of $1 million to somebody. So because this limitation on computational power exists, the system remains fair because no one can possess too much computational power to really make blockchain unfair. In order to create incentive for uh, computers to participate in uh, this network involving heavy computation, participants called miners are rewarded with some cryptocurrency because otherwise nobody will do it. Earlier in the interview, you had mentioned the Internet of Things. Would you be able to explain what that is in regards to blockchain now that we understand more about blockchain? Internet of Things, as I said, it's a number of 
different computer-like devices connected to the internet. But now we are moving to the new era when these devices can actually communicate with one another talk with one another without involving humans. In this sense, we are already living in this futuristic world that was portrayed in the movies and the books in the 20th century. But the most important thing that if we just allow these Internet of Things to communicate without any control, But the setting in which computers communicate with one another is very insecure because they can exchange private information, they can exchange payments, or they can ask one computer to do something that may be unsafe. Also, there are many hackers who uh, try to use these Internet of Things devices to extract private information or to do something bad. And the world already saw a mass exploitation of Internet of Things devices. What we are doing in our lab, we are trying to use the power of blockchain and smart contracts to establish unambiguous, non-breakable protocols between these devices. If these devices communicate through blockchain, they can't break the protocol because a blockchain guarantees that things will be done right as they are described in the smart contract. And uh, this has a lot of challenges that we try to overcome, but the perspective is very interesting. This discussion about the cryptocurrencies has me thinking about, I wonder, how is the COVID-19 situation affecting the state of cryptocurrency today? Could you uh, tell us a little bit about that? When we are talking about the cryptocurrency market, it's going down along with other markets because cryptocurrency is still a risky asset. And usually when when the market is unhealthy, the risky assets go down first. But from the perspective of our research, we are not interested too much in the cryptocurrency market, which usually attracts uh, people's attention. We are trying to be focused mostly on the technology that allows cryptocurrency to exist because this technology allows many other things to exist as well. So this is this is what we are really excited about. On this COVID-19 situation, we see that many people went online and we see that now such services as notaries and banking also go online. We see that there is a high demand for services that would allow to establish protocols online without seeing a person. And this is something that smart contracts actually can help with. For example, as we know, at MSU, all classes, they went uh, online. And now professors trying to figure out how to do examination, especially those final exams that are usually done in class. So some professors just offer take-home exams. Others try 
try to come up with some sort of intricate arrangements for uh, the classes. And this is actually when the world is uh, slipping towards the area that where smart contracts can be can be helpful. Of course, more research is needed uh, to really make it happening in the real world. But this is a very interesting situation from the perspective of uh, uh, smart contract research. That's really interesting. So just to summarize it all, the cryptocurrency market is going down, but the interest in the research for these smart contracts is starting to really peak now that everything is going virtual. Yes, exactly. Uh, we are now creating the foundation for a completely new economy. Um, economy in which many things that are now done by people will be done by smart contracts. Especially, I'm personally very much fascinated with the idea of eliminating corruption because we know that in many regions of the world, large economies are crippled with corruption. People and businesses suffer from corruption. And this is where smart contracts can be very helpful as well. Unfortunately, we are not yet there. We, uh, we have not yet reached the point when we can replace um, all law enforcement functions or notary functions or banking functions with uh, smart contracts. But we are going there. In a few decades uh, from now, uh, smart contracts or um, whatever they evolve into will play very important role in the world economy and hopefully the uh, the world will become more fair and less less corrupt thanks for that nick you had mentioned earlier in the interview that you came from university of nebraska lincoln now that you're over here at michigan state university but you're with the same advisor how is that experience different for you so because i followed my my advisor, I did not notice too much difference in my research because I, I just continued doing here what I did back in the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Of course, here I have a different set of resources available, new professors, new experts that I can consult with. But overall, from the standpoint of research, nothing much changed. But but the university setting is very different, so I very much enjoy being the part of the Spartan family. It's a very large university. I thought that the University of Nebraska-Lincoln was large until I moved here, because this is what large really means. And I'm looking forward, actually, in a few years to graduating from um, MSU I'm very excited to be to be here, to be part of it. It's great to hear that you had an easy transition moving from Nebraska to come all the way over here to Michigan State University. And it's also great that you were able to still work with the same advisor at the same time. Thanks for talking to us today about your research and good luck with the rest of it. Thank you for having me. The Sci-Files is hosted by Chelsea Boodoo and Daniel Puentes for Impact 89FM. Thank you to our news director, Sophie Sagan, program director, Amber Konutsky, 
Station Manager Joe Dandron, and General Manager Jeremy Whiting. This show, as well as the entire Impact 89FM podcast lineup, can be found online at impact89fm.org or by searching for The Sci-Files on your favorite podcast directory. If you're an MSU student and want to be featured on The Sci-Files, or if you have any questions, you can contact us at sci-files at impact89fm.org. See you next week on Sci-Files. Thanks for listening, and remember, the truth is in the science.